about the book of James. So, thank you guys. Uh, <clears throat> there are two titles for this week. Doing what comes naturally, or here comes the sun. I was tempted to have the band play the Beatles song, but um, decided not to. Um, last week, I just want to give you a little bit of review. Last week, we talked about the different things about um, James chapter 1, and uh, we talked about the trial, right? And we talked about how we should love trial, trial in the midst of uh, joy, in the midst of trial. And we talked about how trouble tests your faith, and it produces stability, making you complete, lacking nothing. And we talked about how God is on the edge of his seat. If you had this picture of, of God sitting on the edge of his seat, he's ready to douse us with the wisdom that we need to get through the trial. And all we have to do is ask in faith, and he will give us liberally, the scripture says, generously, overflowing and abundantly the wisdom that we need. But then we talked about those who go through trial and tribulation and don't have faith. And they don't have the wisdom. So they're all over the place. They're unstable. Some of y'all remember the, the, the circus theme uh, from The Ringer that my pastor friend said he plays for those types of people. And they're people that are unstable in all their ways, the Scripture says. They're here, they're there, they're everywhere, and they're tossed about, the Scripture says, by every wind, to and fro. And, and the premise that I laid out for you last week was that if that is characteristic of your life, instability, you may not have faith. And today is going to be some more proof of that. I'm just going to read you this passage for today. It's James chapter 1, 9 to 18. We're going from um, verse 1 to verse 8. Now we're going 9 to 18, and that's how we're going to go through the book of James. We're going to hit every verse. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and the rich in his humiliation, because like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beauty perishes. So also the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. See, we have that uh, the idea of stability again. Blessed is the man who is stable stable under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which god has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted i am being tempted by god for god cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one understand one of the things i'm going to dispel for you is this rumor of god is testing me god is sending me trials to go through that's unbiblical actually and we're going to talk about that. <clears throat> but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth. Of his own will, he brought us forth. By the word of truth. Now read that verse again. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. In other words, the best. The best of his creatures. 
Do you understand what God does here? God's desire is to make us, by his truth, by his will, turn us into the best of his creation. Better than angels. Better than animals. Better than trees. Better than the earth. Better than Mars. Better than the solar system. Better than everything in the universe. That's how good the work that God does in our life is when he calls us forth by his own will through the word of truth. So we already went through the review of last week. So I just want to put them up there again just to make sure you understand because James is a flowing book and it flows from verse to verse. Hardship and joy, edge of his seat. That's God giving the gift of faith, right? And what is faith? It's a gift, all right? Faith is a gift. And then if you don't have faith and you don't have wisdom, you're all over the place. You're totally unstable. So this week we're going to get started right into it in verses 9 through 11. Withering of the pretty. Some of y'all really like that, don't you? You pretty people (laughs) make me angry. Let the lowly brother boast in his exaltation and let the rich in his humiliation. Because like a flower, a flower is so precious, isn't it? It's adorable, y'all. Like a flower of the grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with its scorching heat and withers the grass. Its flower fails and its beauty perishes. So also will the rich man fade away in the midst of his pursuits. You know, this is kind of a recounting of Mark chapter 4 and the parable of the sower, remember? Where Jesus says, and some of the seeds were cast onto the, onto the, onto the ground in the sun. They didn't have any roots. And the sun came and withered them away. The withering of the pretty. See, this is what happens when you have a faith that is shallow. A faith that is formulated by surfacy religion. Temporal purity. Powerless perfection. Because I think what happens many times in the church is we get so caught up in doing church. I'm going to say good even though it's bad grammar because I want to show depravity, all right? Doing church good. And we get so caught up in making sure that we have our daily bread devotional booklet. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But we get so caught up in our checklist. We get so caught up in making sure that we're doing what's expected of us that I think sometimes people might put more faith in what they're doing than in what God did. Even in our sanctification, even in our process of becoming more set apart, more holy, sometimes we put more faith in what we're doing instead of what God did. See, we understand, of course, you know, we're good, we're good evangelical Christians. We understand that faith is not by works. We understand that. But we've talked about this before. Our sanctification is not by works either. Our sanctification is the result of work that God did in our life. And if our faith is resting upon what we're doing, it's very pretty on the outside, but the sun, the temptations will wither it away. 
And then we see again this idea of stability. Life for the stable in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him. Understand now, verse 12 comes right after what? Verse 11, we're in context here. He's talking about let the lowly rejoice and let the rich be humiliated because when the sun comes up, when the, when the heat is turned up, the flowers and the grass are withered away, the beauty perishes, and so the rich man will fade in the midst of his pursuits. And then he goes right from there to stability. You see that? He goes right from withering away to stability. Blessed is the man who remains stable under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. He's talking about salvation. So what we see here, and sometimes people might read this and they could be a little bit confused. Wait a minute. I have to, rest- to stand the test of trials to make sure that I have life? So the first point, we see the withering of the pretty. The stuff that's only surfacy, The stuff that has no root. The stuff that really doesn't have any power. Then we see life for the stable. And then the passage really begins to come full bore. And it really, and James really begins to take this area, this teaching area, and he begins to kind of hone it in. What's really inside? Remember, he's talked about the sun and the trials, and when the heat is turned up, it perishes. Then he talks about life for the stable, those who endure trials. And then he says, let no one say when he is tried or tempted, same word, he's being tried by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. And desires, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. See, God doesn't test us. Our depravity tests us. You see, Paul says this. Paul talks about the war within, does he not? He says, there are things that I want to do that I don't do and things that I don't do that I should do. He says, I'm at constant war with myself. There's a battle going on, raging inside of me. And that battle is not because God says, I'm going to test how good you are, Paul. Paul makes it very clear. The battle that is within my life when it comes to temptation is from within It's not God saying, okay, I'm going to throw a bunch of tough things in your life just to see how you handle it. Because I'm not, why would God do that? It's his work. He knows how you're going to handle it. Matter of fact, Job is a great picture of this. See, a lot of people think Job, the book of Job is about withstanding trial. That's not what it's about at all. It's about God's sovereignty and our salvation. Because God knew that no matter what the devil brought in, the devil brought in who? God knew no matter what the devil brought into Job's life, God could keep him. It didn't matter what he did. God could keep him. But we understand that when we are drawn away, it comes from what's inside of us. So we understand that we have this desire within us the result of that depravity is sin 
And the result of that sin is what, according to the passage? Death. So that's what's really inside of us. Let's get started right there to make sure we park on this just for a few minutes to make sure you guys don't have any misgivings. Here's what you start with when you come to God. Nothing good. Do we believe in depravity? I mean, I don't think I've ever had to see a parent come to me concerned that their kid did not, you know, my kid is 12 years old and he hasn't learned how to lie yet i got to send him to the lying camp. You know, my, my young boy, you know, he's, he's 14 and he's not rebelled once. I'm very concerned. I've got to send him to rebellion seminars. That all comes pretty natural, doesn't it? Now, we learn how to get better at it as we get older. And the only reason we're not as bad as kids is because, you know, we figured out how to cover it up pretty good. I don't want anybody in here to think that before the faith that God gives you was in your life that you had anything good in you. As a matter of fact, there was something, there was something so decrepit in you that you wanted nothing to do with righteousness. That's what's really inside. And so when you are drawn away, it's because of your own lust, your own desire. Don't blame God. Don't blame the world around you. It's you. But then we have the perfect gift. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift. You notice the difference here between temptation and gift. You see what what James does there? At first he says, don't say you're tempted by God because God gives perfect gifts. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That's a fascinating verse that we're going to talk about in a minute. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First of all, the gift is always perfect. We talked about this a little bit last week. God never gives bad faith. Would you guys agree with that? God never gives bad faith. God's not going to go through the, the trouble of giving you the gift of faith just to have it something that a little bit of trial, a little bit of heat is going to wither away. Correct? Matter of fact, the scripture says, blessed are those who are stable because they'll receive the crown of life. The whole point of faith is to get the crown of life. That's the whole point. God's not going to give you the gift of faith that's going to leave you high and dry when life gets rough. Or when your own desires begin to rage within you. This is the point. The sun cannot wither away the gift of faith. So this whole passage, I'm going to show you something really cool. This whole passage is like a sun sandwich. Right? He starts off with saying, you know... Count it, you know, be exalt in humiliation because, you know, when the sun comes up, it withers away the flower and the grass and the heat burns it up. Mark 4 says the same thing, right? So we see the sun there. And then he says here, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, from the Father of lights, whom there's no shadow due to change. You know what that is? Where does darkness come from? When light turns. The solar system is a great picture of this. 
And what it shows is this. There is no shadow. There is no change. There is no turning. And so James uses the sun twice in this passage to explain what faith really is. And he explains it first, you know, without faith, what the sun does, what the light does, what the light does, if you don't have faith, is it withers you away and you die. But when you have faith, the father of lights, it's perfect. And there is no shadow of turning. The perfect God, the perfect gift. And then he says the last part of his own will he brought us forth. So with this gift of faith, this perfect gift that he gives, first of all, we understand it's always perfect. It's never half a gift. It's never half faith. It's never just faith. It's faith. It's the whole thing. Not only is it perfect, the sun can't wither it away. There is no variation or shadow from turning. And then the next one, he gives it of his own will. Through what? This is important now. This is crucial. Through truth. How does God give the gift of faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing what? The word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what God does is he gives this perfect gift of faith through his truth, through the word. That's why it's so important for the church to declare without compromise the word of God. That's why it's important for you to be Many redeemers out in our community because the community cannot hear the word without you being there to explain it and to share it, even if it's indeed. And we're going to be talking about that very soon in James, are we not? Be hearers of the word. Don't be hearers of the word only, but be doers. We're going to be talking about that. But we see the points here. First, it's the withering of the pretty. Life for the stable. Then what's really inside of us it's what's inside of us are the very things that lead us to death. And then the last thing is the perfect gift. The gift that God gives is faith. And now, remember we talked about last week. When we have this gift of faith and we go through a temptation, what do we have the ability to do? Ask for what? Wisdom. Of which God is on the edge of his seat just dying to douse us with it. And if we have the gift of faith, if we have faith that is so strong, that is perfect, right, coming from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow, how in the world could we ever not be able to ask for wisdom? Not with doubting, because if you waver, what happens? You're an unstable man, waved about by the wind, to and fro, in everything, in all your ways. So what's natural? is for us to be drawn away by our own desires. That's natural. That's easy. Right? That's natural. I mean, I experience it almost every day <clears throat> between 7 and 9 at night. And I know there's Briar's all-natural vanilla ice cream <laughs> with magic shell in the cup cupboard. How many of y'all like that? Isn't that good? <sighs> All right, let's close in prayer. I'm going to go get some ice cream. No. But that's natural. Drawn away by our own desires, our own lust, our own depravity. A depravity so dark and so deep, it's foolish for us to think that we are so smart that we would choose for faith and others wouldn't. The natural thing is to be drawn away by our own desires. What's normal is for that to end in death. 
That's the normal process, right? It's natural to be drawn away, and it's normal, the Scripture says, when we're drawn away by our own lust, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it brings forth its fullness, it gives forth what? Death. But what's supernatural is resisting temptation. That's supernatural. That's unusual. That's uncommon. And where does it come from? The gift of faith. From the Father of lights, the Father that gives us wisdom that we need to escape the temptation. The Father of lights with whom there's no variation or shadow from turning. The Father of light that gives faith that is so rich and so full and so transformative and so powerful that when the sun turns up its heat, it cannot wither it or fade it away. If your faith is withered and faded away by a little heat, it's not really faith. It just means that you are run by what's natural. Your lust, your desires that give forth sin, which brings forth death. Is there evidence of the supernatural in you? Or do you just do what comes natural? What is the evidence in your life of the supernatural? Yes, that's right, I'm telling you. If your life is an example of failure after failure in temptation. That means the sun is turning up the heat and the little flower that you have every once in a while, this, this thing, I think I'm doing better. I think I'm doing better. I do, oh, here comes the heat. It's gone. That's not faith. That's just you trying to be religious. It doesn't save you. As a matter of fact, the scripture says it ends in death. But if you have a life that has this supernatural component, this perfect gift of faith, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above, from the Father of lights, within those shadow or variation from turning. The faith that the sun can't wither. The faith that temptation can't overcome. Why? Because every time it hits, according to James chapter 1, verse 1 through 8, we sit there and we know that our heavenly dad is on the edge of his seat, just ready to bury us in wisdom. Just inundate it with us. But that desire to ask for wisdom only comes when you've been given what? The perfect faith. So is there evidence of the supernatural in your life? Or do you just do what comes natural? 